This episode is brought to you by Kubota. Together, we do more. Hey guys, I'm Whitney. And I'm Kylie. Welcome to the Midwest Farm Wives podcast, where we will be sharing all things motherhood, farming, faith, rural living, and so much more. So grab your favorite beverage of choice and come hang out with your two farm wife besties. We are so happy you are here with us. Hello, hello. Welcome back to episode 63 of the Midwest Farm Wives podcast. We are calling this one Preparing for the Future, and we have a very special guest today, um, Miss Elaine Fraze, and she is a farm family coach up in Canada, but she is hitting the ears of everyone in the world. Yeah, I'm so excited for her today. Hello, hello, everyone. Uh, We're just going to jump right in with two feet first into our guest podcast. So Elaine, I think for Our listeners, we'd love to have you introduce yourself and just head right in. So I'm Elaine from Boys of Ain. Most people muck up my last (laughs) name. So I live on mile 16, north of the U.S. border, just above North Dakota and the International Peace Gardens. My husband is Wes Fraze, and we have a lovely family next door to us who is Ian and Kendra Fraze, my son and daughter-in-law and three adorable grandchildren, Penny, Ruby, and Reed who are four, three, and two. It's a very busy household. And I'm a farm family coach, and my passion is to help families all over North America find more harmony through understanding as they go through farm transition. That's so exciting. I had, Whitney and I were talking about having you on a guest. Whitney kind of brought your name to the forefront. And before the podcast, we were just visiting that we have actually been, I've sat in a conference for you of yours years ago, not knowing that coming full circle, we'd be sitting here today talking about the same thing. So we are just so excited. Um, Maybe tell us a little bit more about what farm, a family farm coach or a farm family coach does or is. So I work with the three circle model of um, farms needing to transition. So it's um, the family circle, the management circle, and the ownership circle. I'm a home economist by degree. I ended up in southwestern Manitoba, Canada, because Manitoba Agriculture called me here to work as an ex- what you would call an extension county agent way back in 1978. So I've been here for 43 years. And I work with farm families and and on all different capacities as an extension county agent as a home economist. But in 1993, I was asked to take my flip chart and go to kitchen tables to help families communicate better and work out some communication and conflict resolution strategies around their their farm transition planning. And that's probably the way I'm wired. So I call myself a farm family coach. And in 2003, I went to Santa Barbara, California and trained under the Hudson Institute at the beach, which was a great place to, to learn and mm-hmm. found maps and, and, and structures there that I could help sit with farm families to help them figure out what everybody expected, what the timelines needed to be and how they could get some agreements in place, but most important that they'd actually get something done. And so I'm wired for communication, empathy, lifelong learning, positivity, and woo. So farm family coaching is actually something that I created from nothing way back in 2003, based on work I had already started doing in 1993. And I've been writing in Grey News for 27 years, and I have now five books. So the work I've been doing has just been an unfolding of the way I'm wired and the way I want to encourage farm families to pay attention to the emotional factors affecting planning. And a lot of that emotion, as you know, 
happens within the family. So that's how this is all kind of unfolded. Yes. And so I had heard your podcast with Jason Meadows, a good friend of ours. He's in the Glow Blog Network with us. And you hit my heartstrings because Bart and I are not on the family farm. But a lot of the stuff you talked about of being in your 20s and 30s and 40s, I see that in my husband. Mm -hmm. And so I think this podcast is going to be beneficial to a first generation farmer up to seventh. I mean, I've met people on Instagram that are seventh generation, which is amazing. That's unreal. But just give a little background on your thoughts, like what you talked about being in your 20s and transitioning Mm -hmm. into your 30s and 40s for us. And right, Whitney, and that's called MAP4 from the Hudson Institute. And that's why I'm so happy and thankful that I trained as a certified executive coach because the skills I learned to help people make sense of their lives. So I think why that may have landed for you as well and also for Jason is in your 20s, it's about getting independence. And so in your 20s, you need to separate from your family. Many people in ag go off to college or trade school and get some kind of other skills that they can use and then possibly think about coming back to the farm after college or if they've had an opportunity to work with somebody's management style other than mom and dad's, which is highly recommended. In your 30s, we call it mastering success. And as you know, in your 30s, it's exhausting. And my, my son is 33. His wife is 30. They have three children under four. Um, I always ask him, did you have a good sleep last night? Do you need help? Can I tag team with you? You know, because that's hard. It's really hard work. Plus, he's running a multi-million dollar business with his father and three other employees. Then in your 40s, which is critical for the women and men listening to this podcast, if you are 40 years old on your farm and you own absolutely nothing, there's conflict. Because in your 40s, it's about taking charge and being in control and having power over your future and your destiny. So if you're 40 and mom and dad are 63, then we need to talk because there needs to be a letting go so that you can have equity and you can have ownership and you can be in management and you can have a learning plan for how you want to run the business to the next generation. In your 50s, it's about quality life. And when I'm doing this, when I'm a professional speaker in front of an audience of 400, I'll say, I've quit dusting. Dusting is such a useless activity, right? <laughs> and I want a better quality of life. Well, I'm now in my 60s. And in, in 60, it's about starting over and becoming the hired man again. So my husband, who has an ag degree, who's built this amazing business over the last 40 odd years, he now goes out to his son and he says, what can I do today to help you? And so the decision-making on our farm is collaborative, which is what I want every farm in North America to have because that's respectful and hopeful for each generation, regardless of how your roles play out and change as you age. And then we talked about 70-year-olds, which is where mentorship should be happening, 80-year-olds being an elder blessing. And if you're 90, and I have this problem, Whitney, I have an article called Strong Warning for 80-year-olds. If you're 80 and still hanging onto everything in your farm in Kansas or Iowa or Minnesota or North Dakota, wherever you are, there's something wrong because you need to trust that you have enough and you need to have done the work that your personal wealth bubble is going to give you the income stream that you need for living and that the farm business assets are going to be allocated to the generations that actually need them to leverage equity for their growth. There's a lot Absolutely. of moving parts. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, 
And I've seen it in farms around here. You know, like I said, we don't work directly with Bart's family, but I see it in them as well. Um, they are in their late 60s and they're tired. I mean, yes. they're working harder now than they did in their 30s. And it's hard to watch because I want them to enjoy our grandkids and do all the fun things, but it seems like they're working harder now than ever before. And I see it in other other farms around here too that you're like at the 70s and they aren't letting go of anything. And so I guess my question to you is how can that younger generation communicate that with their dad or their uncle or whoever they're with? Because it's uncomfortable, right? Right. You don't want to step on toes and and try to take what they've built or whatever you want to call it, your bull. I know we talked about this. <laughs> yeah. So, so, my so how do you have that uncom- right. uncomfortable conversation? How, how do you talk about the tough issues, Whitney? And so I'm holding here my Beanie Baby Bull, which is my talking stick. And it's also <laughs> my uh, thesis way back from 2003 when I was at the Hudson Institute in my coaching school. So making approaches is actually part of an online course that I'm building, and it's called Get to the Table. And how do you pull people to the table? So the first thing is you need to come from curiosity, not judgment. And you need to show love and respect. And one of the strong conflict uh, principles is, can you put yourself in the other person's shoes? So my husband just turned 65. I am 65. And yes, we are tired by 8 o'clock at night. So the curiosity is, mom and dad, what does a good day on the farm look like to you as you age here? And it's respect for what they still want to contribute and also for them to have respect and good listening ears for what you want to give to the business. And the other thing I think, Whitney that and Kylie, that's happening is that people aren't paying attention. They aren't, they aren't paying attention that they woke up today and they are seven years old. And I just spoke to a ranching family before I jumped on this podcast and they live in a very interesting, isolated area. And I said to her, where do you want to live? And she said, well, I want to stay here. How much income do you want? Well, I don't know that. Well, there's just certain basic practical things. I'm wired as a home economist, so I'm wired for quality of life. And if mom and dad are working hard, 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 my first question is, whoa, why are you working so hard now? Well, because we don't want you kids to have any debt. Oh, really? Did you ask us if we were willing to service debt? Of course you are, because you're 33. You have the next 20 years to pay off a mortgage. So there's tons of assumptions going on. And the other thing is, well, we can't, we don't have time to talk. What do you mean? Well, we have too much work on this farm to do. Well, newsflash, we all know the work on farms is never, come on, girls, say it. Oh, never ending. It's never ending or it's never done, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so I'm standing in front of an audience of 200 people and I say, the work on farms is never, and they say, done. And no matter what we do on this farm, it's never good enough. And I go, you're kidding me. You all said the same words. Like, where did you all buy into that script? And I guess that's my my, uh, passion and my calling and doing the work that I've done for the last 30 odd years is agriculture is a culture, but there's a lot of mindset shifts that have to happen. So where is it written that you as parents in downtown Kansas or Missouri or Iowa or North Dakota, that you have to make sure that you're debt-free before you transition things? That's an unreasonable expectation. Where is is it written that you have to make all of your children economically equal? Well, that was written in the old school handbook across across the ocean back in Eastern Europe or back in mid-Europe, or and I won't name the countries, but there's 
very specific countries of cultural DNA that I work with where they have four children, they all have to have the same. Well, the parents are working their butts off because they don't have what they thought they would have by the time they were 70 or 65. And they're not telling people what they're afraid of. So another question I would have, Brittany, is, Dad, why are you working so hard? What are you afraid of? And what he's afraid of is that he, number one, is not going to have enough for the next 30 years of living. Or number two, is that he's not going to pay off the debts. Or number three, that he can't give his children what he expected he could at the age that he's at because he hasn't gone to a financial planner. He just keeps putting his head down, parking the tractor, walking the fields, hopping on machines, and not paying attention to his financial well-being. Is that something that you've seen very commonly? Yes. And and what I'd like all of your listeners to do if they're not driving right now is take a piece of paper and just draw a line down the middle of the paper. And on the left-hand side, you write farm and farm assets. And on the right-hand side, you write personal wealth. And if your personal wealth is $2 million US, you take 4% of 2 million, that gives you $80,000 US a year to live on. That's a beautiful number. But the problem is, Kylie and Whitney, is that many people in agriculture have almost nothing on the personal side because they haven't paid attention to always putting money back into the farm. Next year, it'll be better. Next year, we'll save something. Next year, we'll, you know, next year is next year. You need to focus on what is your current financial reality now. And in in a, a good scenario, maybe the parents draw $40,000 a year from their personal savings and, and personal wealth, and they draw $40,000 a year from land rent or income sharing or whatever shares or preferred shares, all kinds of different ways of doing it from the farm side. And that couple is happy because they have a plan. What a concept. They have an actual plan for where their wealth is going to come from. So here's the three questions. What does your income need to be? And Kylie, this is for you and Whitney too. What do you farm women need for income to live well while you raise your families? Number two, where do you want to live? And how long are you going to live there? And I thought I was moving in 2020 until my daughter-in-law came and said, you know, mom, she calls me mom. I don't like your house. The kitchen's not big enough. You don't have an ensuite and you have critters in your basement sometime. I said, yes, this is true. This is my reality. How honest said, though. <laughs> well, no, but that's the kind of conversations we have. She's a she's in a very difficult position because I wrote the book called Farming's In-Law Factor. Right. <laughs> and she has to live with a mother-in-law who wrote the book. <laughs> so anyway, Kendra's very gracious. And she said, well, I'd like to build a new house right across the trees from you. I said, awesome, great solution. So I ended up staying when I thought I was moving in 2020, which of course, lots of other things happened in 2020 that we didn't anticipate. So I'm here and I don't have to move. So I just saved myself $700,000. Yes. Way to go. <laughs> yeah, way to go. But she built her house on my land. So technically, I own that house too. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. listening, Kendra. <laughs> All right. No. She might listen someday, but she knows the stories I tell because she's sat in my audience. Anyway, and it's all good with her too. But the point is, housing is a big issue because if you have a mother and father who are stubborn, and sentimentally and emotionally attached to their house, especially if it was the house that dad was born in, guess what? He's not going out and he says, I'm going out boots first, which means I'm not leaving here till I die. 
So that really puts you in a pickle if that's where all the the sheep pens are or the cattle corrals or the, you know, $100,000 worth of uh, bushels of grain storage or whatever it is in infrastructure, that's where people get stuck, right, is the housing issue. And then the third issue is fairness. And for all of the listeners, I invite you to make popcorn tonight and hit YouTube and just Google Finding Fairness in Farm Transition. And my presentation will come up and I'll spend an hour entertaining you about financial transparency, attitudes towards money, intention about what you want your legacy to look like, and how are you going to deal with the rebels who don't agree with you on your family farm and the people who are are really struggling with what their roles are supposed to be. So here we go. I sound like I'm giving you a uh, 20 minute seminar here, but I get, I get really riled when you ask me these questions because people think, Oh, Elaine, just teach me how to save tax or tell me how I can get my, you know, C corp to work better. I go, no, 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 no. That's all good stuff to talk to the accountant and lawyer about, but that's way down the road. The first thing people is figure out what your expectations are and what you want, and then seek to understand what your parents want and why. Why, Dad, is this so important to you? I have a couple of things. I've been taking notes. Can you hear me taking notes over here? Because I'm just (laughs) scribbling, scribbling. So the first thing I want to touch on is expectations. Isn't that the root of all problems? I mean, I don't want to say all problems. Heartache's a good word for it. Yeah, we we have these expectations. I had expectations of how my day was going to go yesterday at home with my children. And goodness, it did not even go. Um, so you can either, you know, we, Whitney and I talk about this all the time. You can set in the disappointment that expectations led you to. And so transparency, I love that the point from your conversation that you just had was be transparent, be intentional and be specific about what you need versus what you want, you know, knowing that both are important. But I also wanted to say that I'm different from Whitney. We do have a generational farm. So we are fourth generation And we have had a really blessed opportunity. My in-laws have given us a blessing by estate planning and farm transitioning at a young age. And so our tried and true story years ago, my father-in-law, will he probably will never listen, but he knows all of this. It was always three to five years, I'll be ready to retire. And it would be the next year. And it would be three to five years and I'll be ready to retire. And it was just the same thing over and over. Absolutely. You know, if he'd have really retired the first year he said that, we would not have been ready. (laughs) But we had a few years of those, you know, next year it will be the right time. And he got asked a question by a mentor and said, Jerry is his name. He said, Jerry, how old are you? And he said, 60 or 65. Gosh, I don't remember what he was now. And he said, how old's Jordan? That's my husband. And Jordan was 28, 30. I don't know. He was in his 30. And so we did some hard math numbers of how long did Jerry farm independently And if Jerry worked for another 10 years, how long would Jordan farm independently? And so that was going to put Jordan up into his 40s to, like you said, take over and and own stuff. And that was going to be a problem. Plus, Jerry's now in his 70s. And so we're looking at what if tragedy strikes and Jerry dies? And so the question that was posed to my father-in-law that really pivoted his outlook on farm transition was... Do you want to be there to hold Jordan's hand and help him? Not really hold his hand, but but be mentor. that mentor. Yes, that mentor and and be that person that he can come to when he has a question or a problem. Or do you want to go out 
and leave Jordan to do it all on his own when you die. And that was sobering. He, he came home that night, invited us over for supper and says, I have something to talk about. And I thought, oh my gosh, we have health problems. I mean, I just thought the worst thing yes. possible. But in reality, it was such a gift. We sat at that table. We gave ourselves a timeline. That was a year. We had a year to make this transition happen. We had a year to get our entity set up, what our structure of our like equipment versus our land versus our rent, our operating entity. What a gift. It was a hard year. There was a lot of hard conversations that we had to have. But because their their attitude was so open to the transition, it allowed Jordan and I to feel confident stepping into that role. Have we had um, interesting conversations since? Is the transition been perfect? Has it been perfect? Probably not. Um, but but what a gift. And so I think we're, we're appealing to two audiences, right, Elaine? We're appealing to yes. Whitney and I's audience. We're in our 30s. We're really any of those 10-year age gaps. But Whitney and I are in our 30s and we're sitting here saying, we're working our tails off. We're trying to build for our family, plus then satisfy, you know, in my case, the needs of our older generation and the younger generation. But then we're also potentially talking to that generation who really needs to hear, we don't want you to die and leave your kids to do it on their own. That's why that map that we talked about that, that, uh, Whitney put on the table right from the get-go is so important is you need to pay attention to how old you are and what your age needs and tasks are for those um, timelines, right? And yeah. what you were describing, Kylie, is the pain of not knowing. So a lot of your listeners are sitting in that pain right now. And in coaching, we call that the neutral zone. So think of trying to put a stick shift, say you have a stick shift for an old truck on four on the floor or whatever, and it's wobbling back and forth because it's in neutral. And that's a neutral zone. When you're in neutral, you're not going anywhere because you aren't even in first gear. And in our scenario with Wes's parents, his father did have a health issue. His brain was shrinking because he's a carrier of fragile X syndrome. And we have three nephews who are mentally challenged. And so in our family, when we discovered his health was shifting, we got to the accountant by Monday. And we owned the farm six months later. And that transition happened because it was driven by a health issue. But in a best case scenario, you're getting out of the neutral zone and out of the pain of not knowing by saying we need to start having meetings. And the framework that I shared earlier, that's what I wanted to give you is how do you start? And, and Whitney was asking, how do you approach this conversation? And when I was doing the podcast with Jason Meadows on Egg State of Mind, I said, Jason, have you ever thought of writing a letter? And he hadn't. And it just, it moved him to the core because he understood that writing a letter would give him an opportunity to clarify and crystallize his, his thoughts, to be kind and respectful because he loves his parents dearly, and to truly express what he needed. And I, I, I put that out there again is as a young couple, if you're not getting a conversation with your parents, do they have any idea how important it is to you? And on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being super important, dad, this for me is a 10. And I hope it's a 10 for you too, because I can't live in this pain of not knowing anymore. I think yeah. that, so we say all the time, expectation is the root of all disappointment. I think we can add assumptions to that as well, because mm -hmm. how, 
how disconnected does that make you when you have no idea what each other want? I mean, well, we don't deal with that, but I can see that very vividly in so many farms that, yes. well, you, you feel this way, but does your dad or mom know you feel that way? Probably not because you've never voiced it. Farming demands well-built equipment, Kubota equipment that's built right, built ready, and proven for over a century. Tractors that are adaptable and versatile. Hay tools backed by a two-year warranty. Sidekick utility vehicles where durability meets speed. And productive SSV skid steers. There's farm work to do. Kubota equipment is ready to get it done right. Learn more at KubotaUSA.com. We don't you- know what we don't know. There, that's just a fact. And we we often place our feelings on other people because we, like you said, Whitney, we assume that that's how they're going to react or that's their feelings or that's the truth. When in reality, the only truth that they know is what they know or what they don't know. And so we're trying to decipher that. And so I wrote an article that you can find at uh, farmfamilycoach.com is the fastest way to get to my website. And the the insight is called assumption-free living. And that's why curiosity is such a powerful tool for conflict resolution. I'm just curious, Dad, what does a good day look like to you on the farm as you age? I'm just curious, Mom, what would you really like that you've been putting off for the last 30 years? And herein lies another sticking assumption point. What if, which is also another great game to play, but what if Mom really wants to move to town or closer to her sister or whatever. And dad is absolutely saying there is no way I'm ever leaving this farm. So what you have is you have disconnect in the parents. And if you have disconnect of the vision of the goals of the parents, you are super stuck because you are not moving at all until those two people get on some kind of collaborative or consensus kind of page to move their life forward. So what, let's start there, um, or let's dive into that point. As a 30-year-old, we're saying, have these conversations, get that assumption page, say, what if, but how do we even approach that if the disconnect is so severe? Because I actually think that more often than not, not, maybe not living quarters, but there's some point of disconnect at the top, at the, at the, you know, parent level that, that what the kids want doesn't matter. So how do we even, is there a, just a conversation? Do we reach out outside of, you know, family or like, what's your best advice there? So don't uh, watch those home uh, improvement shows where it's all do it yourself. <laughs> right. This is not, this is not do it yourself. No, this is, this is why we have farm family coaching. So I have a strong bias that you need to have an objective outside third party, who's a professional who understands conflict resolution, understands family dynamics, who understands the emotion around agriculture, as to have a facilitated conversation with the parents to help them explore what they both are thinking, feeling, needing, and wanting. And I have a tool called the Conflict Dynamic Profile, which is from St. Eckert College in in St. Petersburg, uh, Florida. It's Eckert College in St. Petersburg, Florida. And in this tool, it talks about your ability to share emotion. And, you know, a woman is typically quite emotional or can be, which is a very good conflict tool, by the way. It's a good 
It's a good thing because there's no guessing how mom's feeling because she's sharing the emotion. It's a little bit harder to crack dad open because he doesn't want to share his emotion because somewhere in his past, he was told that that's not a good thing, which is not true. The other thing is the ability to create solutions. And that's what's so interesting, Kylie and Whitney, about coaching is people may have a preconceived idea in their head. Well, where is it written that mom cannot travel with her sister or her girlfriend? Husband refuses to travel? Fine, Charlie, you stay home, knock yourself out. But my sister and I are going to the island for, the, for two weeks this summer, or we're going to Branson or wherever we're going, we're gonna go and have fun. You have fun on the farm. I have learned I don't have to take you with me. And I'm not causing marriages to break up, right? I'm just saying, where is it written that it has to be that way? So I think Kylie and I are a good testament to that. We always talk about this, that independence is a really big deal for me, especially. Um, and I think it is to Bart, too, that when he's busy, I'm not going to just sit at home and bake. <laughs> I have friends and I want to go to the pond and swim. And I want to I want our kids to still have a life Fun. outside of the busyness yes. of farm. And so I, I don't know if it's the older generation that has that preconceived notion, but I think so. I'm trying to break those barriers with my age because I do want to still go do those things. Even if he has to spray over the weekend, that's mm -hmm. fine. And he understands too that, you know, he's the provider. He takes a lot of pride in providing for us and he still wants us to have fun and have a life. And so well, and also I love you that you said that because yeah. that's, that's like, kind of like my mother-in-law and father-in-law. She still well, likes to go to Cancun and he stays back. So you've seen it in real time. Yeah. But, but back to this disconnect between the parents. The other thing is, is I have a 72-year-old woman sitting in front of me saying, Elaine, I want to move to Winnipeg and be part of a quilting group and go to Bible studies and, walk, and go to the art galleries. And the husband is telling me, well, I want to just stay at the farm and work in my shop. And then I turn to him. And I look him straight in the eyes, which again is another good communication tool is to give direct eye contract so that you know, because the window, the eyes are the window to the soul. And I asked him, I said, she's been with you for 50 years and given you her 50 best years. When is it your wife's turn to get what she needs and wants? And he looked at me and he said, oh, Elaine, you are so fired. And he, he didn't like that question, right? Because, because that, that's the other thing here is, is there's just so much more going on. And I always say counseling is about recovery. Coaching is about discovery. And I, people need to really put that on the sticky side of their brains when they're listening to this is because some of you do need therapy that are listening to this because you have so much childhood trauma or bitterness to how the farm was taken away or kept away from you and you paid for it three times or whatever. I don't want to hear those stories. Talk to a counselor about those stories. What I want to hear is how do you want to intentionally move forward to make your life better for you as a person, for yourself? How do you want to take care of your marriage? How do you want to take care of your family? How do you want to take care of the farm and your off-farm work? How do you want to take care of your friends? And how do you want to take care of your community? And what I've just given you is another map, which are called our key roles. And that's where young women get so exhausted is because you have this Instagram idea or Pinterest idea, mm -hmm. like a good idea at the time, until you realized how much energy that was going to suck out of you to make your life look as beautiful as it does on social media. And why are you choosing that when you know really all your kids want with you is time? 
They don't care about the stuff. And again, parents, you know, I, I was at in Deadwood, South Dakota, with the South Dakota Farm Bureau and Wyoming Farm Bureau on January 27th, 140 ranchers. And this one young couple were sitting talking to me quietly in the hall. And they said, Elaine, we do not want the debt our parents want. We do not want the image our parents want. And we want a ranch fairly debt free, but they don't get that. And so there may come some hard decisions. And Dr. Henry Cloud wrote a book called Necessary Endings, What to Do When Things Don't Work Out. And I've had ranchers who have read the book and said, you know, Elaine, we're going to start fresh. And they've literally picked up and moved away. But in one case I had, which is a beautiful thing, the father decided to give a blessing. And he gave his son and daughter-in-law a million dollars as a leg up for them to start their next business. Now, a lot of people listening to this say, I don't have a million dollars in my back pocket to give another kid to start another business. Well, you may not have the financial wherewithal, but you certainly have the verbal blessing and affirmation of your heart to say, we've done the work. We've found out through coaching that we're not compatible. We need to uh, be rich in relationship and rich towards God. So we are not going to beat this drum any harder just because we had this vision in our mind that all three of our children would farm shoulder to shoulder with us. So we're going to make a new beginning. And sometimes so that's hard. So you talking about that, Bart and I, we're in the stage of life where we're working really hard. We want to build. And then we have these conversations because we've seen it in our town where they've worked so hard. These people are in their 60s and none of their kids want to come back. And he and I are like, that's our biggest fear in life. I mean, we we don't want to build this legacy and do this just to keep doing it till we're 90. We want our kids to come join us. And so it's a scary reality that him and I struggle with, like, praying that one, at least one will come back. But Whitney, if none of them do, it's okay. Right. It's still okay. And the the other thing is I'm an adoptive mother. I had the worst case of postpartum depression that my psychiatrist had seen in 21 years of practice. I spent most of 1984 in a psych ward. I had 23 shock treatments. That's how God healed my brain. So my son, our successor, is adopted. And I tell that story for two reasons. First of all, if there's mental health issues causing sideswipes, bumps in the journey, storms in your family, get treatment, see a doctor, take medication and do what the doctor says. In my case, medication didn't work. It had to be a different way of healing. Secondly, our son is adopted and people forget that because we got him when he was two days old. But you may not have a a child who wants to farm the farm that you and Bart are farming But that's okay, because they can go off and have other careers and have all the good things that you and Bart taught them in terms of work ethic and completing things and being creative and all the other awesome things that farm kids get to do. Where is it written that Bart could not adopt the neighbor's kid down the road? And I see that, and it's called not related. It's called a joint venture. And that's the other thing is disappointment like you you said ex- expectation is a shortcut to disappointment also expecting that your future is going to be a certain way my daughter who i gave birth to 38 years ago 2 days ago it was her birthday her 38th birthday on easter sunday she has a mental health disorder that doesn't allow her to work so i have one child who's going to be very wealthy and another child that will always be 
on a, a limited income or at, at um, the bequest of the trusts that are left to her. I have no control over that other than to be grateful. And are both of my children happy? Yes, because both of them have a, a degree of success. And the biggest degree of success for them is the relationship they have with their parents. But their that's life amazing. will never be the same. Never. Yep, and that's that's amazing. That's what I I see. You know, Bart's family all gets along really well, and I want that. They they live within a ten mile radius of all four of their sons, and we all get along pretty well. And I'm and I'm the same way. You know, I hope to heavens that all three of our kids want to move back here. But like you said, if they don't and they're happy, that's all that matters. And I also don't want to push them so hard to come back that that's also in their mind that they don't want to come back because of that. Because I feel like a lot of us younger parents probably do that in some sort of way. Indirectly. I don't know if you see that, mm-hmm. but indirectly like push them to come back. But the way you put it is very beautiful. Well, I, I just, I mean, we all have passion and calling, right? And God's word is all in very unique and amazing ways. And then things happen. My sister was killed by a drunk driver driving home from my farm back to the home farm near Winnipeg. So my other sister who was driving, she and I have a saying, someday is not a day on our calendar. I, it's also April as we're recording this. And in Canada, April is Will's month. And so why are you not taking care of the documents and the things that you need to take care of so that you know that you're not going to leave your family in chaos? And where is it written that Bart's parents are going to die first? And that's, that's just reminding people that in my, in my experience, it's procrastination and conflict avoidance that's killing agriculture. You can't keep putting things off. A farm year now, there's no breaks in a farm year anymore, ever since we discovered fungicide, right? Crop protection right. happens all summer long. We know that. And now we're looking, my fields are covered in white snow. Mm-hmm. It's April 19th. And we're not going to start cropping or planting on May 1st, which would be our preference. And so we are people that adapt, but why aren't we adapting to each other? Farming demands well-built equipment, Kubota equipment that's built right, built ready, and proven for over a century. Tractors that are adaptable and versatile. Hay tools backed by a two-year warranty. Sidekick utility vehicles where durability meets speed and productive SSV skid steers. There's farm work to do. Kubota equipment is ready to get it done right. Learn more at KubotaUSA.com. It's a very hard question. It is. And I think two things of wanting your kids to come back. I just think Jordan and I's whole goal, when we talk to our kids, my gosh, we would love to have three farming little kids. I don't think they'll all come back. I just don't think they will. Or the reality of it is not likely. Um, so I pray that one will want to, but if they don't, that's okay. But with all of like the, um, this is way off topic, but the media pressure, social media, all of these things, we want to know that our kids have two very safe homes, no matter what they do in the world. And that is with God. And that is it with their mom, mom and dad. And so it doesn't matter what they do, what they become, what they fail at, what they succeed at, that they'll always have a home with us. And so like Whitney, what what you were saying too, your kids will grow up knowing that because of the farm life that you're giving them. I also wanted to say on a separate note, 
I do think that sometimes coming from an outside perspective offers so much grace to both parties when you're having that hard conversation. So I don't think we would have transitioned as easily, as efficiently, as smoothly, unless we would have had an outside factor talking to my father-in-law. Jordan and I were always ready, but we didn't know we didn't know how to do it without stepping on toes. We didn't know how to tastefully say, this is what we would like to do. Can Is this something we can make happen? And so having an outside person to start that conversation and to help us facilitate conversations without emotion, with emotion, but not negative emotion, was very important. So I so cannot... Kyle- Sorry, Kylie, did you did you feel guilty or that you might come across as entitled if you asked for things too soon? Is that what you thought? Interestingly enough, I'm the daughter-in-law, so I don't have a lot of thoughts. Um, I mean, I do. That's funny. I'm not. I'm just joking about that. I get along with my in-laws so brilliantly. I've been blessed to work with my mother-in-law and we get along well. Um, we didn't feel like it was our place. Jordan is the baby of the family. Two sisters live off farm have their own successes in their own ways, respectively. And so it was a conversation that we just thought they needed to be ready because we've had the like surface level conversation of three to five years. Yep, that's always the plan. We know you want to take it over. But it really wasn't, it didn't shift and start until my father-in-law was ready to say, okay, today's the day. Like we, there isn't a someday. It's today. We need to put a timely deadline on this or I'm just going to keep dragging my feet. Not really, but you know what I'm saying. I'm just going to keep saying three to five years because honestly, transition is hard. It's not an easy journey. It's a journey. It absolutely is with just legality issues. Um, just the like logistical things you have to do, but also the emotional things that you have to do. It is absolutely a journey. And a year was a very compact time frame. So I think you guys are really blessed in your guys' journey, Kylie, because I yeah. do see a lot of people struggle older than Jordan even, like still oh, trying yeah. to to start that hard conversation because of like what you just said, not necessarily stepping on toes, but not sure how to go around it. And so I pray that maybe somebody listens to this podcast and they can start that conversation or write that letter or maybe mm-hmm. the parent actually hears it. It might yeah. be beneficial to so many people. So I'm just very glad that we're having this because I think it well, hits many generations. The other thing that you said, Kylie, is that you have a great relationship with your mother-in-law, which is another huge gift. Because in 2014, Dr. Megan McKenzie and I wrote a book called Farming's In-Law Factor, how to have less conflict and more harmony on family farms. Because men kept coming up to me after my my seminars and and keynotes and saying, Elaine, what are we going to do with her? I go, what are you talking about? And we did a lot of research. It's an annotated bibliography. It's a very well-written book. And basically, a lot of people see conflict as a bad thing. But conflict is an indication that is that people are not getting what they need or they want. And so rather than butting heads against that, I want people to come to the table and start creating solutions. And so I just want to mention we're going to have a, a webinar that I'm leading on June the 11th. And uh, the registration is at iowafarmerswife.com forward slash events. And Lauren Lunt is the iowafarmerswife.com. And she and I are doing this together. And the reason we're doing it is because she just got so tired of all the ranting on social media. And a hashtag that I use a lot on Twitter is hashtag healing stories number four ag. 
because there's no point in us being on this podcast today talking about all the horror stories or all the sad stories or all the resentment and the bitterness that we see of failed transition plans or, or brothers never ever talking to each other again. What good does that do us? It doesn't create solutions, right? So we want people to think about, I need something. I want something. How do you make approach? And again, we've, we've sort of flogged this horse in terms of becoming from curiosity. Another thing that you mentioned was your year time frame. So another very helpful phrase is by when, by when can I expect to have some ownership in this farm? By when will we share decision-making responsibility about marketing? By when will the crop production planning be my responsibility? By when will you and mom be able to take more time off in the summer? Because I think mom would really like to see more of her family in the summertime, not only in the winter. Whatever those questions are, by when is a very powerful question because it helps put a time frame to that. You're bringing up another idea for, I think we could have a whole separate podcast of the relationship of a daughter-in-law and the farming in-laws. Because I will say one of the most important person's opinion, people's opinion, that matters to me the most is my mother-in-law. Um, I want to make my in-laws so proud um, because I, I'm not from this family. It's not blood. And I am so gracious for the things that the opportunities that they've given us. And so her opinion really matters. And over the last year, I've really stepped out of the role that I was walking on because it wasn't serving me. And we've had a lot of like revelations in that regard. Um, and so by doing that, I was so scared of her opinion of me, but in reality, my assumptions were so wrong. She loves me for who I am and she respects the decisions that I'm making. But back to the beginning of our whole talk, I was assuming on how she would react, um, because of what I should have been doing, quote unquote, what I should have been doing. Cause I, that's one of those phrases that I think we should remove from our it's a counseling um, language. Term. Should, 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 yeah, I should, should, I should, should, I should. If you say it really uh, fast, it becomes a different word. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that could be a whole nother podcast that we could talk about, <laughs> but there is something to be said. Cause I think a lot of people listening are the in-laws. They are the daughter-in-laws. They are the wives married into this farming family. And it is a different outlook than if you were born in it. And, um, I don't want to say entitled, but if you were, if it was in the plans, if you're marrying into it, you know, where do you stand and where does your opinion matter? And where does your voice count? And do you yes. have a voice at the table? Yes. And I don't think we have time for it today, but really seriously, we should talk about it another day because <laughs> it's such a good conversation. But on, in all honesty, I think what we can take away from this, I'm just going to hit some points is expectation and assumptions. We need to throw those out the window and realize that conflict or uncomfortable conversations are actually normal. They're not supposed to be mm -hmm. something you fear or feel shame for. They're things that are real life. You need to talk about those things sometimes. And and it's the only way that I'm going to end it with your quote because I wrote this down like three times, intentionally move forward. How else do you mm -hmm. intentionally move forward in your life for the better if you don't have these assumptions and expectations taken from your life? And expectations are not necessarily bad, Whitney, if they're clear. And Brene Brown has this line. She says, being clear is kind. So in a yes. gracious way, let's be clear with love and respect and gracious conversation. Let's be clear with each other. 
Oh, Elaine, this has been such a joy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you so much. To be part of the Midwest Farm Women. That's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. So let us tell our listeners right before we sign off, where can they find you on social media and maybe drop your website? So best way to find me is just go to farmfamilycoach.com and it will revert to my website, excuse me, which is elainephrase.com. And on Instagram, you'll find me at Elaine underscore F underscore farm coach, uh, Facebook at family farm family coach and YouTube farm family coach and LinkedIn. It's my name, Elaine phrase, which is F R O E S E. And I'm on Twitter too at Elaine phrase. So I and have a wh- very robust following on social media and Instagram is I'm sure where all of the 30 year olds are and <laughs> yes, I'm still learning how to do better reels. <laughs> But you know, I love it. I love it. I love it when people come to my website and hit my contact page and share their story. Because with everyone who comes to visit me on my website, I'm happy to offer them a a complimentary 15 minute discovery call, just to help give them some direction and clarity for where they might want to intentionally go forward next. That was my next question is if people wanted to chat with you, how could they do that? So then also you had a June webinar. Why don't you say that one more time? So go to iowafarmerswife.com forward slash events, and you can sign up. It's going to be at uh, 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Central on June the 11th. And it will be the opportunity. I'll do a little bit of of speaking around what we've discovered about different roles for mother-in-laws, father-in-laws, daughter-in-laws, son-in-laws. And then we'll open it up in the chat box, um, and people will be able to ask me questions privately Uh, Whitney through my cell phone by texting me directly. And then that way no one else knows where the questions are coming from. Mm -hmm. And it keeps it highly safe and respectful because as you know, farming's in law factor might have a little bit of emotion around it. Yeah. Thank you so much. much. Thank you to be here. Blessings on your journey. We sure appreciate all of you listening today. You can follow us on Instagram at farmwifeguru and at Kylie Epperson underscore. Be sure to follow or subscribe to Midwest Farm Wives podcast on your favorite podcast streaming app. And remember, every day may not be good, but there is some good in each day. Stay grateful, friends.